Get your Bibles out. I have enjoyed myself this morning. Tremendous choir. I enjoyed that. And then the special. I have enjoyed this day already. God has been good to us. I'm in 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians. Thank you for coming and being with us this morning. What a good crowd we have today. I appreciate all the blessings that God has given to us in this place already. I've enjoyed being here. I was a little bleary-eyed last night. I, I have found there's a difference between motels. Amen. I spent two nights on a hard bed and then 13 hours of traveling and then finally got to a good bed last night and I feel like a new man. Amen. It is just a joy. And two cups of coffee, I'm ready to go, buddy. I am ready to go. God has been good. I'm in uh, a little bit of trouble, uh, finished up last night, got back to the motel room, and got sat down, started to untie my shoelaces, and Jerry looked across at me and said, wasn't that a great church? Wasn't that a great church? We need to join that church. <laughs> I'm in deep trouble, buddy, amen. <laughs> Y'all pray for me, hey. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Let's stand to our feet out of respect for the word of God.
I'll begin in verse number one. The Bible says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but my manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, notice that little g, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now watch this verse, watch this verse. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen. That's the excellency of his power. It is just wonderful to be saved today. Just wonderful. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you, you really, this morning, would be a great, great day to know Jesus and have that peace that passeth understanding. Let's pray our hearts. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, this morning that you touch hearts and lives. We, we come now, Father, as your servant. I ask you, Lord, that in this place, in this place, as your children assemble, I pray that our Savior, Jesus, will be uplifted. May he be magnified in this place through the preaching of thy word. I pray that, Lord, today, may Christian hearts be warmed, not only by what they They've heard in music, but by thy word. Work a work in lives and hearts. And then, Father, I pray for those that are here that don't have that peace. Never, never have had that peace. Before this day is done, may they know Jesus as their personal Savior. May they be assured of a home in heaven. Lord, in this hour, bless and meet with us now, dear Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name we ask and pray, amen and amen. I'm concerned about this verse, have a seat, I'm concerned about this verse number seven, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I was concerned about this idea of a treasure. I, I don't uh, have a sound explanation of it, but I want to try to attempt today to try to explain what God means by this word treasure. I've had uh, a lot of trips around the, the globe now and trying to get over to England back and forth and I've been in several places in Europe and I try to go places. I've seen a lot of things and, I, and I'm trying to put my mind to this word treasure. There are a lot of things that people called treasures that are, you know, kind of not what I think a treasure ought to be. My brother-in-law has a 53 Ford pickup, and, and he, he just loves that thing, amen. I, mean, I, I don't think that's a treasure. I, he does, but 
I'm not into it, all right, amen. I lived down the street when I was in Rome, Georgia. I had a fellow up there had a 55 Ford pickup. He, he had a tarp over, over that truck. He, he cared for that truck. He polished it every week. He had a brand new Ford station wagon next to it, left that out in the rain. Now, I'm telling you, some people, you know what I mean? There are differences of opinion on what a treasure is. I, and I'm, I'm trying to think about this idea of what God, and he used this word specifically in this framework, and he calls what you and I have inside of us a treasure. There was a 1963 Ferrari. 250 GTO racer, which has become the world's most expensive car, selling at a price of, are you ready for it? $52 million. One car. $52 million. The second most expensive home in the world is the Villa Lepolda on the French Riviera at a price of $506 million dollars. Somebody likes that home a whole lot. Amen. The card player. You know the picture of the card player? My pulse is on. It's some dogs playing cards. I'm sure you've seen it. It's a museum over there. April 2011, it was sold at auction. I think the, family, the royal family of Qatar bought it. The painting was acquired. The price tag was $259 million for one painting. I wished I could paint. Amen. <laughs> the world's most expensive timepiece. It's a watch by Chopard. It has three heart-shaped diamonds with another 163 carats of white and yellow diamonds, bringing the weight to a whopping 201 carats. It has a spring-loaded mechanism which opens the heart-shaped diamonds to a diamond-studded watch face. In 2000, year 2000, the watch was sold for $25 million for one watch. Amen. I think I paid 70 for mine. Amen. What is it that makes something a treasure? Certainly, somebody, when they paid that amount of money, $25 million for a watch, thought that was a treasure. Now, I'm telling you, they thought it was a treasure. There are things that people call treasures. I, I've been out and been on the road sometimes and, and watched ladies at yard sales. That's a peculiar experience, amen. <laughs> I, 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 I've seen them try to edge one another trying to get to something. Have you been there? Well, it's a treasure <laughs> that they pay a dollar and a half for, amen? <laughs> and, get, and try to get one another out trying to jostle. I've been in Walmart during the Christmas rush and regretted I ever showed up, amen? And there are people that I'm telling you, uh, it's a mystery, amen? Everybody in there thinks they've got a treasure when they walk out the back door. It, it is a... It is a type of thing where I find it a great enigma of what a treasure is. Well, there are three things I wrote down, a thing that I think makes something a treasure. First of all, the cost to produce it. Sometimes that makes something a treasure. The more amount of money you have to sink into it, 
to prepare something. It becomes a treasure. Also, the rareness of the object. Sometimes that makes it a treasure, the rareness of the object. Sometimes it's the beauty of the object, the beauty of the object. I thought about this idea of why God uses this word right here, treasure, to describe something that you and I have inside of us. God. God who created the heavens and the earth put the celestial bodies into being. He does not call them a treasure. Do you understand what I'm saying? But he calls what you and I have inside of us. He uses that specific word. When he could have used it to the Alps, he could have used it to the Lake District in England, which I think is stunning. He could have used it for the Eiffel Tower. He could have used it for the plains. He could have used it for magnificent things around the world. And yet, in all that I know of, God uses this specific word to describe something that you and I have inside of us. The cost to produce salvation. 1 John 4, 9 says, In this was manifest, manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only, His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. The cost was enormous for God the Father to allow us to have this treasure. It cost him his only begotten son. The cost is beyond measure. It cannot be duplicated. Then the rareness of the object, the rareness. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. There is no other way to have this treasure other than Jesus Christ coming into your heart. It is the rareness that makes this such a treasure. Then the beauty of the object. I wrote down John 9.25. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. It was the first thing that man saw when Jesus touched his eyes. The beauty of the object. Then I thought about this. Not only the enigma of what, what makes something a treasure. But I thought about the importance, the importance of it. What, what makes something a treasure? The importance. You know, King Tut's tomb explains the heritage of Egypt. The crown jewels, which back the economy of Great Britain, it explains something about what England is about, that stability. The crown jewels began to explain that the Fabergé eggs, 
of Russia began to explain the opulence of the czars of Russia. The paintings of Van Gogh and Motis opened the eyes to beauty. The music of Mozart, Bach, fascinate the ears of many. But I think about this importance. I thought about it is, it is irreplaceable. What we have inside of us is irreplaceable. It is irreplaceable in its purity. Hebrews 4.15 said, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was all, in all points tempted like as we are, yet, yet without sin. There is no one who could have died for you and I except the Son of God. He is irreplaceable. It is irreplaceable in its purity. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It is irreplaceable in its purity. It's irreplaceable in its power. John 16, 23 says this, In that day ye shall ask me nothing, but verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. It's irreplaceable in its power. Do you know, God listens to my prayer, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Yes, Makes the hair stand on the back of my neck. Amen. It is irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. In its purity. It's irreplaceable in its power. But it's also irreplaceable in its promises. John 6, 68 says, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Where else are you going to go? Will you find those promises in Buddha? Will you find that security in Shinto, Hindu? Nay, a thousand times no. You will find it only in that treasure called eternal life in the Son of God. It's irreplaceable. And then I thought about this idea of the intrinsic value of the treasure. Intrinsic is just a word that means uh, the value of what it is that it, and what it does for you. The intrinsic value. What does it do? Bach and Beethoven, the music moves the spirit as much as John Philip Sousa and his marches do for the soul. Great paintings move the imagination of man to picture God. The Sistine Chapel and others, where men have striven to paint what God would look like in their imaginations. Great gems in the settings many times move the spirit of man in their ability to create value. 
But what does this treasure do? This value. Well, this treasure moves us, first of all, to a place called conviction. In Acts 26, 14, the Bible says, And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. This treasure moves us to a place of conviction. Now, listen to me, listen to me, quickly, quickly. You must have conviction before you can have the treasure. The Bible says godly repentance worketh salvation. It is not a turn of the mind, nor of the will, but salvation is of God. God will bring, first of all, conviction to the soul. We must know, first of all, that we are sinners. Before ere we can get saved. We must know we have a need before we can ever ask and have that need fulfilled. So this great treasure that God has given to us, manifests itself first of all in conviction. Then it manifests itself also in confession. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou, doesn't say maybe, thou shalt be saved. About two weeks ago, a man came down the aisle, burly fella. He was a block layer down in Florida. Took him aside, took him down this. And I asked the fellow, said, listen, why did you come? He, he just said, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. I took the Bible out, began to go down the Romans road and got down to Romans 10, 9, and 10. And I said, I said, Donnie, I want you to put your name in there. That if thou, put Donnie in. If Donnie shall confess with Donnie's mouth and believe in Donnie's heart. I made it become real in his life and that, that afternoon he received Jesus as his personal Savior. Donnie was convicted. Donnie came prayed, confessed what he did, and then allowed God to come into his heart. It moves us to a place of conviction, then it moves us to a place of confession, then it moves us to a place of contentment. Uh -huh. Philippians 4, 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned whatsoever state that I am therewith to be content. You know, ever since I got saved, I never have hunted for another way to get saved. Amen. <laughs> oh, amen. I'm totally satisfied with Jesus. Amen. I am totally satisfied with what God has done in my soul. There is no other salvation in any other name than that name Jesus. Amen. 
It moves us to a place of contentment. Wonderful. Luke found in this treasure the great physician. The woman at the well found in this treasure a drink of water that she never got over. Amen. John the Baptist found in this treasure the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You will find in this treasure great contentment in your soul. But it moves us beyond that. It takes us to a place called conviction. This treasure takes us to a place called confession. And then this treasure takes us to a place called contentment. But it moves us beyond that to a place called compassion. We are moved to have compassion on those who do not have this treasure. What joy we have as we sit and listen to the choirs. What joy there is in our soul to be safe in Jesus. Safe in Him. Knowing that at death we'll leave one hand in the arms of our loved ones and reach out and touch the hand of the Savior with the other. Woo! Great contentment, great contentment, and yet great compassion. For there are multitudes around us who know not the Savior, who have not in their soul this great treasure. Philip was moved to speak to the eunuch. And the eunuch answered, Acts 8.34, Philip, and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? of himself or some other man. And began to preach to him, Jesus, amen. In Acts 10, he was moved to go to the Italian band. There was a century man, a certain man, the Cornelius, uh, and uh, he did not know, and all no, just bowed down and tried to worship Peter. Peter got him up, began to talk about Jesus, amen. Paul was moved to go to Philippi and a lady named Lydia, Acts 16, 14. Paul was moved to go to a, a jailer, a Philip jailer, and plead with a jailer not to take his life. For there was something better. Whoo! Something better. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what revival is. It's, it's me the neighbor's need, one neighbor at a time. Making sure that everybody around you has this treasure, amen. It's not about some big shouting meeting. It's about being the salt of the earth and the light. It's about having compassion. It's just about being what God wants you to be as that treasure becomes more and more valuable in your life.
For we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. This treasure. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The excellency of the power. We who are the redeemed. We who are the blood washed. We who are the children of God. We have this great treasure. When I think of something called a treasure, my mind races to thousands of things. And yet God has settled, though he made all of it, he has settled on one thing to call a great treasure. And that's his son in your heart. He is the treasure. May God help you. May God help you. May God help you to realize what a treasure you have in Jesus as your Savior. And if you're here and you do not know him as your Savior, you may have this treasure. It is a free gift. It is a gift that God will give you today if you but ask. May God help you to be saved even this day. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking around. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels. People are coming. People are kneeling. The Holy Spirit of God is working in lives. Oh, what a blessing it is to be saved. What a blessing it is. What a blessing it is. If you're here and you don't know the Savior, I'm asking you, please, There'll be people here that can take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Won't you come? Please, please, I'm asking you. Would you know, would you know the Savior today? Would you know him? Would you, would you want that peace that passeth understanding? Would you? Let's stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Please be, remain respectful of those that are praying.